listening to Law and Gospel on this Bible Study Wednesday, May the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2019. And for those groups who are listening at their churches or at home, we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 10. Now, why are we looking at John chapter 10? It just so happens that this Sunday is well known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And actually, the gospel reading is also from John chapter 10, but it's verses 22 to 30. So we're going to do, if time permitting, verses 1 through 21. The title that the editors put over this chapter is, I am the good shepherd. So without further ado, John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, I believe the King James has verily, verily. In other words, this is really important, what he is about to say. And what does he say? He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So there is a door uh, to where the sheep are being kept, possibly a gate through which the shepherd enters. And what does that mean? Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, how often did we think that the shepherd and the gatekeeper are the same individual? But no, this is different. The gatekeeper would be somebody who's watching over and guarding the sheep, and he only will open the door to those who are the true shepherds. And when the true shepherd comes in, that, of course, is none other than Jesus Christ, to him the gatekeeper opens. So who do you think the gatekeeper would be? Well, it could be God the Father, but it also could be, say, pastors in the church. When we begin a worship service, remember how we begin it? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why are we saying those words? Those words are actually, are you ready? A reminder of our baptism how we became the sheep of the Lord, adopted by God through the waters of baptism. Now, there's something interesting that follows in verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, that's the shepherd, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, did you hear that? That probably isn't the same with cows. If you ever watch a Western, how do they direct cows to go in a certain area? Uh, The cowboy doesn't get on a horse and say to the cows, follow me. No. Instead, a lot of times the cowboys are at the back 
of the herd and yelling at them or telling them to move on. So this this is quite a difference between a cowboy and a shepherd because the shepherds, what they're doing are going before their flocks rather than driving from behind. And why do the sheep follow him? Because the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So this is kind of interesting. I've never been around sheep and seen how shepherds do that. But I can imagine that you would call a name and they would come. My uh, son got a cat. Uh, They named him Snow. And every time they mention the name, the cat comes to them. So that's quite possible. That doesn't happen, by the way, with some other pets. If you have a pet snake or a frog, they don't jump towards you when they hear their name. But the sheep know his voice. That's underscored in verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, we got to be really understanding what the word voice here means. Remember, this is kind of a metaphor of how God leads us. What do we mean by they hear his voice? How many times have pastors been taking care of a person, say, in the office, they come in and they have a real tough problem, Uh, maybe their children are acting up or their marriage is falling apart or they're not having enough funds, what does a pastor do? He speaks to them the word of God. And I can't tell you how many times people are comforted. Now, even though it's the pastor's voice, he's speaking for God. And the comfort comes because he is saying what God wants him to say. So, going on with verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of of strangers. So this is kind of a metaphor, or as the ESV says, this is a figure of speech that Jesus is using, attempting to compare the Holy Christian Church and its members who follow Jesus with a shepherd and the sheepfold. In fact, John mentions that specifically. Look at verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. I I still find that as a problem with individuals. I was at a, a recent worship service where there was a photographer there who was not Lutheran, and we got talking. I asked him what religion he was following, and he told me what church he was attending, and I said to him, Well, isn't that the church that says you can invite Jesus into your heart by prayer, etc.? 
And he said, yes, we follow the Bible strictly. And I said, well, tell you the truth, that's false doctrine. No unbeliever can invite Christ into their heart because they don't believe in him. And then I gave him a Bible verse where Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Now, I can understand why the disciples didn't really get what Jesus was saying. Because a shepherd leads the sheep in contrast to other gods that drive the sheep. Now, how does how do other gods drive the sheep? They do so by telling them, here's what you better be doing. You better be praying so many times a day. You better be giving your money to church. You better be repentant. You better do this, do that, do this, do that. That's driving people in contrast to leading them. And how did they get to know his voice? That was given to them, that ability, at their baptism. Remember, Peter says you'll get the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a gift that helps us to, through faith, know the voice of Jesus. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Oh, now that's interesting. Seeing the previous figure of speech, he was a shepherd. Then you had the door, and then you also had the gatekeeper. But in this new picture, Jesus is the door. Now, where do we learn that? Well, on the night of his resurrection, he appears to his disciples and says, whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. There's a great example of Jesus being the door. He is the way to eternal life. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, who's he talking about there? He's talking primarily about the leaders in Judaism. Remember, even Jeremiah, and Jesus quotes him, says that when they were going to the temple and, you know, buying all these gifts for God, they were really making the temple into a den of robbers. They were thinking that they were going to be right with God. As that one Pharisee says, thank God I'm not like that tax collector because I... And he started naming things he was doing as though by his deeds, guess what? They are saved. Now, there's no doubt there was a remnant of Israel that didn't fall into captivity with the thieves, robbers, false teachers. And Jesus mentions that at the end of verse 8. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, that little phraseology by me is critical because he doesn't say, if anyone decides to enter, they will be saved. No. That desire to enter is by 
the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says, and you'll remember this verse, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the door. You have faith in Jesus Christ? Guess what? The Holy Spirit has given you that faith, and therefore you are able to go into the pasture that the shepherd has ready for you. It's a pasture of rich grass and calm waters so you can be fed and drink without fear of losing your life. And remember David, when he went out to fight Goliath, Saul, the king, was saying, how are you going to beat him up? And David reminded Saul that while he was taking care of sheep, he had fought a bear and a lion and protected the sheep from them. And that's the task of Jesus. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy because he wants free food. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I mean, how many Bible verses do we need to back that up? The main one is Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And a lot of people don't realize that, that they are born dead in sin. They're born captured by the devil in his house. And that's why we often refer to baptism as an exorcism. Because you are taken from the house of the devil and put into the house of the church. Very, very important here. I am the good shepherd. That's verse 11, which is the title the editors put over this. Remember, I am the good shepherd. How am I good? It explains. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, is that happening today? It sure is. I can't tell you how many pastors I speak to who are really concerned about bringing up the subject of abortion or gay marriage or this kind of thing. And they'll tell me the reason I'm afraid is going to split our church because there are a number of people who don't see anything wrong with that. There's an example of a thief and a robber, a hired hand who is not a shepherd, more concerned about money than they are about speaking the word of God. And no wonder in the congregation the wolves snatch his people and scatters them. I really believe that a lot of the young people leaving the church are doing so because the pastors have not done an appropriate job in speaking the voice of Jesus when they speak the law. I am the good shepherd. Verse 14. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now what does it mean to know Jesus. That word no just doesn't mean intellectual knowledge. There's a lot of people who think they know Jesus. They believe he died on the cross. Uh, some even believe he rose from the dead. But he did all that as an example. 
He, he wasn't our Savior. And it wasn't what he did that saves us. But what he did is something we're supposed to emulate in order that we might be saved. But Jesus, when we use the word no here, remember when Gabriel goes to Mary and says she's going to be pregnant, and she says, but I know not a man. Obviously, she knew a lot of men. But the word no has a sexual connotation to it that Mary had never experienced. The word knowing Jesus or Jesus knowing you, it really refers in our, on our part of having faith in Jesus Christ because he laid down his life for us. Now, 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So then there will be one flock, one shepherd. I had the tremendous experience last Thursday. One of the members of the four congregations I'm working with right now came to me and said he had a friend in a nursing home who never had attended church, but he had been talking to him about baptism, and his friend was eager to be baptized. So we went there, made a trip. I went to see his friend, explained to him what baptism does in bringing the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection to him personally, and he eagerly was baptized. This was a sheep that Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not yet of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Well, did this gentleman who was in a nursing home listen to the voice of Jesus? Yes, he did, because I was speaking it. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Now, remember we talked about this a little some time ago on Law and Gospel, about who raised Jesus from the dead. This is the verse that you can show that Jesus raised himself from the dead because he took his life up again. No one takes it from me. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have called a legion of angels when Peter was all concerned. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. So Jesus voluntarily went the way of the cross. And his love for his Father and for us moved him to lay down his life for you of his own accord. Now, there's other passages like in Peter, where the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And, of course, it said that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. This was a cooperative work on the part of the Holy Trinity, just like all three of them were part of the creation of the world. Very, very important to remember that. However, only one of them had the experience of dying on the cross. The Father didn't die. The Holy Spirit didn't die. Only the person 
of the Son died and rose again from the dead. And he had the authority not only to lay his life down, but also the authority to take it up again. Now, you can only imagine in Judaism that thought you were saved by your works, listening to all these words of Jesus, that there was going to be a separation between people. And sure enough, verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. See, it's one thing for Jesus to show himself to be a powerful individual who can do miracles. But it's quite another thing to say words that they felt were contrary to the word of God. In fact, 20, many of them says, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? But others said, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So we now see the significance of the miracles of Jesus. As he himself told the disciples of John the baptizer, oh, you want to know whether or not I am the promised Messiah? Go back and tell John the Old Testament Bible verses where the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the mute speak, and even raising people from the dead. This showed that he was indeed the Messiah. And so... What is moving the side who are arguing with the main Jewish leaders that he has a demon? What's moving them are the words. These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. We understand that when we go to the occasion when Jesus is in his own hometown of Nazareth and he's preaching a sermon and it says the people were highly happy for what he was saying until they asked him to do miracles as he had done in Capernaum, and he would not. And boy, did they ever get angry with him. They wanted to throw him off a cliff, but he just walked through them and did not get thrown off the cliff. So the words of Jesus are totally heard differently by an unbeliever than a believer. I mean, how many times have you said to somebody, we believe that Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter, not only died on the cross, but rose from the dead. And they look at you and said, boy, you must be insane to believe something like that. That doesn't make any sense at all. And that's why we need to be very careful in thinking that our reason can convince anybody of the truths of Scripture. No, there needs to be a conversion, which David talks about. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I have never spoken to anybody about the death and resurrection of Jesus, who is an unbeliever, that got convinced that I was right before that clean heart had been created in him. Now, now notice, that's really important. Create in me a clean heart. You can't 
ask Jesus to come into your heart to make it clean, you, you can't do anything. God does everything. And it fits right back with the good shepherd. Remember, he does not force the sheep to go in the direction uh, from behind them. He leads them and they follow his voice because they know his voice. And every pastor who has been doing his duty can share with you that that is absolutely true as we meet with people and comfort them with what? The words of Jesus, which are specifically promises given to them that help them to cope with their problem. I pray that you hear a wonderful sermon on the Good Shepherd or the other readings for that Sunday, this coming Sunday. And the following Monday, we'll be doing another lesson. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we got an email asking about when are we judged, at the time of our death or on Judgment Day? And there were a number of other questions. Uh, Wes Reimnitz and I on Rumination Thursday will attempt to answer those questions by having you listen to the voice of Jesus. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.